the street yeah. and you see a little ghost. What? What you gonna do about Ghostbusters? What? What? What is that? That's the Ghostbusters theme song. No. I'm pretty sure it is. Hey, Phil. There is no Phil. Only Zool. <gasps> Did you, did you believe I was taken over by Zool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had me going there for a moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm nothing if not a Shakespearean actor. I, I thought it was a stellar performance. An th- interstellar performance? Ooh. Christopher Nolan reference? Space, the final frontier. Although technically interdimensional travel into multiple dimensions will be the final frontier. Okay, now, you, how far, now how he's just being picky. Now he's being facetious. <laughs> No, you're just being accurate. Fuck's yeah, sakes. God. Anyway, speaking of accurate, it's that damn film show. Hello. And uh, we said we were going to have a gap between Ghostbusters, but we didn't say that it was just going to be another Ghostbusters film. <laughs> Actually, no, I think we did. No, we, I think we I think said we, we were going to follow up with a Ghostbusters. Yeah. But yes, this week it's uh, Ghostbusters. Afterlife. Three. Also known as Afterlife. Also known as basically Ghostbusters 2 because they kind of skip Ghostbusters one, uh, Ghostbusters 2 <gasps> and it definitely skips the 2016 one and it kind of ignores all the cartoon stuff but it is technically Ghostbusters 3 yeah I'm surprised they didn't label it as like um, what do they they term it as like they did with Halloween where it got oh, soft reboot yeah where it ignores the others yeah it, it's kind of doing that thing where to be fair although it technically ignores the second one there's nothing in it that could say that the second one didn't happen yeah because they don't do anything or say anything that happens in the second but they also don't ignore anything that happens and it's hard to explain but yeah i suppose the only thing that is ignored is that um annie potts character doesn't seem to reference um mick rick moranis's character mick moranis anyway uh socials so yes, well remembered. I was going to go right into synopsisization. I, I was going to tell you to go right into synopsisization. Should we do it the other way around? What? So, so facebook.com forward slash that damn film show. And twitter.com forward slash down film show. And instagram.com. No, Instagram. <laughs> is, there, uh, is it dot com? I'm that damn film show with underscores, 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 underscores. You better believe it. Underscores. Underscores. Yeah. And uh, for anyone who listened right to the end of last week, hope you enjoyed the uh, little rendition of Ghostbusters 2 theme. Oh, yeah. DMC. I forgot that. That's for the diehard fans. That was, uh, it's pretty bad, but also quite catchy at the same time. Yeah. I must correct myself because I said it's actually quite catchy. I meant there's another song in that film. That was catchy, not that version. Not that one. Although I do love Run DMC. I do not like that version of Ghostbusters. (laughs) I mean, it's just trying to spoil a classic. Yeah. But anyway, synopsisation away. Synopsisation. Right. Okay. So we have a little intro at the beginning where we have this old character and you deliberately can't see his face. Mm. And he's in You can kind of work out who it is. Yeah. And we'll delve into why, but it is a a spoiler. Um, So he's doing these experiments. up in this kind of rural area and this big kind of cataclysm cataclysmic um cloud formation happens and he's like 
really scared. He's like driving back to his house, running back to his house. Mm. Um, and it's he's being chased by spirits, basically. And he's got all these gizmos and gadgets, so you can kind of see where it's going. Yeah. Um, and then he gets attacked by the spirit and it doesn't really confirm what happens to him, but it's kind of insinuated that he's been got. Yeah. Um, then it cuts to uh, a family. You've got Carrie Coon. Oh, we should have the characters. We names, should, though, indeed. We? Uh, I know So Carrie Coon is the mother, right? Yeah. So we're, we're just going to say the mother and the kids for now because their identity is a spoiler. Yeah. Um, but it's a mother with her two kids and she's living in New York City, but she can't afford to pay her bills. Um, and the guy that you see at the start of the film, he's <clears throat> her granddad, no, her, her dad, father, her father. Um, and he's got this old house. So they've kind of been forced to relocate to this house in this kind of backwater town. Mm. Um, because they can't afford the rent in New York. Um, and then when they get to the house, it's kind of like a lot of establishing stuff, like the kids are trying to fit in at school, and yeah. the older kid who's the guy Finn Wolfhard from uh, Stranger, Things. Stranger Things is trying to get a job. Um, and then they start to know that the house has got a mysterious aura to it, and supernatural things start happening, ghost-like things They start, start finding stuff. Yeah. Stuff that, you know. Stuff that's that you probably would have seen in the trailers. Yeah. The um, trailers gives a the trailers gives away oh, well, basically, the kind of gives away what who they are basically. The trailer gives kind of away that where they're staying is related to Ghostbusters in some way or another. That's all I'm going to say. Um and that's the setup. And then it's kind of played like I I would say it's more akin to something like Stranger Things or Goonies or Stand By Me, where it's the kids, and in particular the youngest yeah. daughter, investigating the supernatural elements. Yeah. And then she starts to bring the other characters. And, and uh, it all accumulates in a really good film. I oh, say. I see what you did there. Because yeah. uh, Paul Dano's in this film. Uh, Paul Rudd's in this film. <laughs> Paul Ruddy, good movie. Paul Ruddy Gorgeous, apparently. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he's the sexiest man alive. And, uh, Indeed. Who can disagree? Well. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what, what I want to know about People Magazine, though, is have they met every single man in existence? There might be some random hobo who looks like a goddess. A, a, a it could, goddess. Be, could be the most gorgeous ghost you've ever seen. Mm. Why are they limiting it to alive people? Exactly. That's mm. a bit... Um, bit a a bodyist yeah 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 he bastards supernaturalist Pe- people back magazine more like prejudiced magazine i don't fucking know <laughs> anyway i suppose we should dive in so that's that's the syn- synopsis i synopsis 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 oh hey we haven't heard him in ages the first time you've had a line on the podcast do you think you like the film i think you do. maybe well he's currently licking his paws so i'll assume that means good the first thing's yes. first did you enjoy the film? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. I'd personally say it's the best Ghostbusters movie, including the first one. See, this is interesting because I really enjoyed it. It got slated. Mm. And I, for the life of me, cannot see why. Yeah, a lot because of people don't like it. If I can maybe understand people not liking it who didn't like the original Ghostbusters stuff. Yes. But 
if you did like the original Ghostbusters stuff, I don't know what the fuck you wanted. Like, it's really heartwarming. It's really... <clears throat> it homages without... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it homages the original stuff and, like, without going to... What is the fucking... Re- without mean, reminiscing too much. Yeah, I know what you it mean. Bad. It's not just... It, it's not just... Um, it doesn't rely on nostalgia. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, but most of the critical reviews is that... Is that what it... That's what the problem is. It yeah, does those rely people on nostalgia. Are wrong. <laughs> well, I've been thinking a lot about this. And the only thing I can think about, the analogy I would say is like Force Awakens. Mm. There is a point in the film where it kind of does mirror the first film. Mm. But you've got to remember that it's bringing back a franchise which if you discount the 2016 one it's really been gone for like four years yeah and in terms of like the 2006 one was a reimagining so to the point of like all the original cast were actually playing different characters so Mm. it's it's sort of a different universe whereas this is the same universe yeah it's carrying it's it's carrying carrying on and like I th- I think if you if you really really don't like that story, then you've just I don't know you're asking for something that just isn't possible. You're asking for like you know, magic in a bottle. You're asking for the exact same. You're exact asking for the exact same as the original film while also being massively different. Yeah, you know? and it's just never going to happen. That's and not what they're trying to do. It's also the element I think of probably most people's critical review is that it's not different enough which i understand whereas at the same time i thought it was quite different in some respects Mm. but i think the last act was was you know it is a kind Mm. of rehash but except the last like 10 minutes which is well this is the thing it i think if you compare it to something like force awakens i think that last act does mirror the first one but it's it brings in different elements like the way they actually deal with because it's difficult to say without spoilers but the way Mm. they actually deal with the similar threat to the first one Mm. they go about it a completely different way and it's all approached differently so i think they did alter enough what in force awakens no in ghostbusters whereas force awakens Awakens is the opposite i I thought it was very very similar whereas at least they they kind of took the base idea and then tweaked it like all they did with star wars was take the death star and make it bigger and give it a different name yeah and also with star wars they they'd blown it up multiple times Mm. so it's not just rehashing a new hope but it's rehashing every time they destroy a big station like that whereas this is kind of it's only really done it once yeah like after having already done it this it's you're kind of you're introducing a new set of characters but the way they tell the story like for example the original is ghosts exist you pretty much find that out straight away then they decide oh we need to stop the ghosts they want to they want to experiment on they want to learn about them scientifically and they also need Mm. to stop them they become the ghostbusters they go stop the ghosts they get famous big marshmallow man storms through new york they stop said marshmallow man the end this was very much more, here's a family of people. Everyone's forgotten about the Ghostbusters, as you can kind of see in the trailers. Um, and then it's it's more of a, a personal character piece towards the, the daughter, mm. while also being like a connection to the Ghostbusters. And as it goes through the film, it makes that connection bigger and bigger and becomes more of a Ghostbusters film as it goes along. And that's not to say the first part is bad. The first part is more character building and world and world building 
And then the halfway point is pretty much that point in the trailer where they're chasing the ghost in the car. Yeah. From there on, it starts to become more and more, hey, this is the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what everyone said they wanted the 2016 one to be. But it completely wasn't. The 2016 one was just a remake of the original, basically. Um, although I, I, I do want to see that one. I haven't seen it, but it's just never really interested me. But I want to watch it now. But this one did what people said that that script should have been, which yeah. is make a new generation of Ghostbusters pass the torch. That's exactly what this one does. I don't know how people could complain that this say this was bad. Yeah, really it's, it's and and you know, I I comparing it to Force Awakens again. I like Force Awakens because I think when you're reintroducing a franchise, there has got to be a bit of like, oh, this is what's come before. This is what's going to happen. And you've hit the nail on the head when you're saying it's a hybrid. Mm. And I think for every old reference they make, there's something new. Mm. So, like, they don't just dump the proton packs or dump the car. It's quite... It's, it's actually quite up taste. Yeah. yeah. It's like they'll find first, they'll find the car, then they'll find the proton pack. But they don't immediately get together and start gallivanting round yeah. wearing the uniforms. There's quite a kind of lengthy build-up to it. Mm. So I thought it was a really nice balance, actually, between new and uh-huh. old. I thought it was a very, very well-paced film. And something to say about the original as well. Again, although the original was good, it's mm. very much an 80s film. The story isn't really that big of a factor. It's the fact that there are a bunch of, bunch of people busting ghosts. That is kind of the point of the film. Whereas this is very much a story about about the characters yes and the ghostbuster the ghostbusting is the is almost the thing that connects that story mm-hmm. and i think that's really good it, it, it's t- it's done in a way that more modern films are this film this is a film that wouldn't really be made in the 80s if that makes sense because unless it was a stephen king film which is unless why, it was a stephen king uh, film, stephen yeah. king adaptation which yeah. is why it it for me was similar mm. because <clears throat> like those films like Stand By Me, where they're, or It even, even mm. though it's about a killer clan, it's really about the kids. Yeah. There's a lot of character development. And yeah, you're right. Like the original is quippy and fun. There's a little bit of character development, but not a mass amount. No, not anywhere near as much as this one. No, yeah. Um, yeah, overall, very, very good film, I thought. And I would say... You you can very, you can almost tell it's written by his son by mm. what, what's the original guy uh, Ivan Ivan Reitman did the original and Jason is he still Reitman. alive Ivan Reitman? yeah I think so yeah. I think he produced this you can almost tell it's like the way he's passing it on to the kids in the film is almost like he's passed it on to himself and script written it and everything and for years Ghostbusters three they were trying to get it made and Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd uh, Dackeroyd Dackeroyd indeed. Uh, who and how Ramus wrote the original script as well, didn't he? Yes, Ackroyd yeah. and Ramus wrote the original. They didn't like any of the scripts that were coming their way for mm-hmm. years. And then this was the one that they finally liked. And you can kind of tell from the interviews and the fact that, you know, there's just so many things that are very clearly sort of reminiscing about the originals without making them nostalgia in a bad way. It's, you know... I, I honestly can't see what reviewers are complaining about or fans are complaining about. I don't know what the fan metric is, but some reviews absolutely fucking love it. Like the IGM one gave it like a nine and he said it was like one of his, his, his I think he said it was his favorite Ghostbusters film. Yeah. I, I think if you've got, um, I think if you've got a leaning towards 
80s films and kind of films like i said with goonies where kids are kind of solving a mystery yeah because that's what i thought was clever they'd never done that before in ghostbusters but it technically is linked to the 80s because that was a big part of the 80s i think if you if you have a fondness for that maybe those people are preferring it more than people that aren't so fussed about that because for me personally it ticks all the boxes like yeah same i know is it finn wolfhard yeah yeah is that his name yeah that was a great choice because of Stranger Things, mm. and it is very like Stranger Things. These are all things the culture I like. Yeah. So it, it did appeal to all my, and even things like um, we'll go into in a moment the animatronics going more old school. That is again from that decade. So it's, I think if you like that decade, it, I'd be surprised if you didn't like this. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it baffles me. Mm. But anyway, let's jump onto actors. We've got a few to get through. Yeah. We'll start with our lead actor, which is Phoebe McKenna Grace. She's really good. Fantastic, yeah. Um, never seen her in anything Never before. seen her in anything either. Apparently, she is in Captain Marvel and plays like a young Captain Marvel at some point. But I don't remember that being a bit in the film, but I haven't seen it in a while. so Because uh, she's got blonde hair. Yeah. She looks really different. That's probably why. But... Yeah, she's it's crazy she's only 15, and yet she actually looks younger than 15 in the film. Well, she's playing 12 in the film, I think, yeah. isn't she? Which is strange, but she doesn't look that young in real life, so it's a lot of, like, you know, makeup and clothing and everything. And it's the way she acts, because what I thought was they got very right about her performance is that she's a bit socially awkward. Yeah. Um, she She's very geeky. Um, she... She kind of is reminiscent of uh, Raimi's character, but it, you can imagine if if he was at school. Yeah. So you know, obviously in the original Ghostbusters, he's kind of developed a bit of social skills being a being an, an adult. adult. But this is <clears throat> her. You know, Phoebe as a kid is. It's, she's her performance is funny because in some way she's really mature. Yeah. And I think that's the scientist. She's really she's academic, really intelligent. The intelligence, but has yeah. Social skills. And and the kind of sarcastic, dry humour. Yeah. Uh, she tells these jokes oh, throughout the film. They're all like proper dad jokes, but they're hilarious, I think. Yeah, and it's the deadpan way she delivers them as well, which is really funny. So I'm trying to think of some now. Um, we can give, give one away. What, what was one of your favourites? Oh, uh, uh, why should you never trust atoms? Because they make up everything. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking genius. <laughs> My favourite one, which is totally off the wall, is... What does a cigarette and a hamster have in common? <laughs> They're both dangerous to your health when you put them in your mouth and light, and them. light them on fire. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't spoil any more, but there's several no. in there. Yeah, there's. I there's swear, more. like me and you were the only ones in the audience laughing at those jokes, though. That was a really was like, serious audience. I was just like, guys, it's meant to be terrible. That's the joke. <laughs> there was one guy, which, and it reminded me of that um, "What If" episode. But every now and again, not often, he would go, ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what, the, the Thor party episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking amazing. But there was a guy that, it would only happen every now, but he'd just go, ha <laughs> <laughs> Well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she is very much the main character, although the other characters are all relevant, apart mm. from one, which we'll get into. They just weren't really that needed. But Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, really interesting story to her. Again, we can't really go into much. We'll go into more in spoilers, but... Yeah, very good character. She's the one who kind of finds all the Ghostbusters material and starts moving 
forward with everything we'll be we'll be sort of careful of going into more spoilers than that but mm. yeah it was it was very very good casting choice especially for sort of you know moving forward into the other story parts as to other details like I her relevance as yeah. a character yeah um and genuinely funny and i would yeah i hope hope we'll see her in more i have a feeling it's gonna sound dumb i bet she's gonna be in strange things for her. yeah i could I, I can just see it happening she's the perfect age she's got the same sort of acting style as you know that sort of group of actors i don't I can just see it happening <laughs> yeah yeah i i could see someone's sister or something yeah no and what i really liked about performances there's a few moments where there's like dramatic things happening and other characters are like, why aren't you freaking out? And she's just like, oh, it's because I don't process emotions mm. like everyone else. Um, she says she's having them, but she doesn't display them. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is a really nice touch. But then when she does get emotional, <clears throat> that's also really uh, authentic. Yeah. Which is important because you, she can play both. Yeah. Uh, she can play kind of unable to express her emotions and then times where... It, that wall does break down mm. and she's actually very emotional when you get down to it yeah um, which which again <clears throat> is because it's a very character driven piece yeah uh right next actor so should we go for our biggest actor or should we carry on with the kids i would i would jump to the mum because i thought actually she Carrie didn't start Kuhn? she didn't start callie she's um she didn't start off as that big a character at first they really had to think about her character name didn't they Carrie Coon and Callie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, carry on. Um, she she did, wasn't really the central focus at first. No. But then as the film went on, um, again, I can't say why, mm. but her emotional development, because she <clears throat> she struggles to connect with Phoebe yeah. because she's not scientific-minded. And actually, she quite resents science, and there's a reason why. Um, I mean, anyone who's seen Ghostbusters will know exactly why. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, her development um, by I would say she's not really around much at the start, but by the end of the film, she becomes the focus. Yeah, and there's a reason why because things come to light, and her relationship <clears throat> with a certain person comes to light. Yeah, and that I found was done quite well, um, and that that. That was the 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 thing where I think if they hadn't had that, it would have just been purely silly, yeah. which would have been fine. But that would have made it. It exactly adds a bit like of first. it adds a bit of personal touch to it. I think yeah. her relationship with with uh, I've character's name now with Phoebe. It also adds an interesting dynamic to the character we can't speak of. Yeah, um, which changes how you perceive them. Yeah. Which that was, was quite interesting, interesting they did that actually, yeah because you wouldn't have thought of the character like <clears throat> that i mean it totally makes sense when it's explained but you kind of oh, oh bloody hell there's a whole another element to that yeah um but yeah again a really strong performance i haven't i don't recognize her personally you say you've seen her in things she's in you? um she plays a policewoman in one of the fargo series i'm pretty sure it's a police officer being a woman has nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> apparently she's in avengers proxima so one oh, of the okay. one of the um she has a lot of makeup on doesn't she yeah i think she's one of thanos's like side like side people i think proxima i could be wrong there one of those side people yeah because she's in what if as well 
Um, and that I don't. She's good though. She's very good. Don't recognize any of her films, but that's ever. Oh, she was in Fargo as well. Yeah, the series. I, I think as well with the cast, her included, as she's obviously a very good dramatic actor. Yeah, but she's there's some moments where she's quite funny. Um, and they they make like a bar joke. The script's very witty. Yeah. But the script can only be as good as the performers that bring it to life. Yeah. And she's... The whole family are quite deadpan and dry. In fact, I think that's partly the script. It's a very dry script. Mm. But there's a there's a specific reason why this family are dry and deadpan. And I'm giving I'm giving it all away <laughs> now, but you can put the pieces together. Yeah. Um but yeah, that that I liked. Um, I suppose next, let's go for Logan Kim, who plays podcast. He was okay. great. Oh, he was amazing. <laughs> he he was the the I think he was the standout comedy character. Yeah, because they were all funny, but he uh, he just he just came out of nowhere. This guy, and I think they decided that they didn't need to make develop him. Sometimes you don't need to develop every single character in terms of not every character has to have a dark side shown to them yeah and he was kind of the light humor but he killed it every time this is this is his first movie as well oh apparently he did home movie the princess bride but it's like a short by the looks of things and that's it that's that's pretty strong yeah he's because one of the funny things about him is he's got this kind of weird cocky attitude and he acts a lot he tries to act a lot older than he is, but he's clearly like quite a young yeah, kid. Yeah, he's got to be like ten. Yeah, <laughs> um, but just everything down to his name and his uh, yeah. Oh, just yeah. He's got some of the best lines. Yeah, he works. He he's got a really good chemistry with Phoebe because they kind of end up uh, becoming friends. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's a bit. What I like about this film is it kind of focuses on characters that are a little odd mm. and those characters those, you know those people at school that were on the fringe yeah and they it's nice to see them come together yeah and uh just uh, pretty much every line he had was funny and he always had like really good interactions with the other characters i thought i didn't i i think i saw him briefly in one trailer but i didn't know how mm. much he'd be in it yeah because he be kind of becomes part of the the team yeah uh, so that was a nice surprise in terms of like, I <clears throat> didn't really know how big a character would be. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, Finn Wolfhard next. So he plays Trevor. So next to Paul Rudd, probably the biggest actor in this. Yes, but he's not really in it that much. No, I'd say he, he's definitely got, he, he's definitely got a purpose in the film. Yeah. He's very much to bring... It's a tiny bit of a spoiler. He's, you kind of see it in the trailers. He's kind of there to get the car in and be, you know, become part of that team and everything. Um, he plays it perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, like I think Finn Wolfhard is a pretty good actor. He play. He's at the moment just because of his age. He's always kind of playing the same character. Yeah. But I think he Stranger Things. He's getting a bit more range. But at the moment, you know, just it's kind of the same thing each time. He's in. Um, actually. Funny enough, in it chapter one, he does play quite a different character. Oh, really? He plays like a proper little shit. <laughs> yeah, he's really he's pretty good in that. Actually. Oh, I think I know who you mean because I've read the book, so yeah. I know which character you mean. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he, he he's a good actor. He, he it's not that he's got a bad performance in this, and it's not that he's not in it that much. 
he is definitely the side character to phoebe though yeah i think also just his kind of plot progression for me i didn't find that interesting yeah he he was more fix the car and help phoebe he, he was he was help phoebe basically yeah and he's trying to do the team things of fitting in oh yeah yeah his um, his storyline of um like they go to this town somerville wasn't it somerville where it is, um, yeah. and there was one thing that i think they did really pointlessly was that he he meets this girl who will go into who that actor is in a minute likes her and tries to get a job where she works and he says he's 17 but he's actually 15 but in real life he's 17 or 18 they could have just made him 17 the yeah. storyline of him pretending that he wasn't actually 17 he says it once and yeah sure he says it in a way that's like oh he's he's probably lying mm. but he could also have not been and then it comes up once at one other point in the film and that is literally it completely pointless part of his story you could have removed it and it would have been the exact same story well i was thinking maybe it's they wanted to up the awkwardness and his lack of confidence but even a 17 year old boy is just as bad exactly so you don't change that much between 15 and 17 no if anything you become more self-conscious exactly because you you lose your kind of cocky bravado and you'll you'll start to think oh god and like the thing is is if your actor is that age then just just leave them at that age (laughs) like um so the other character the character that he's that he likes is played by celeste o'connor and she was she was born 98 so she's 23 oh wow yeah so that's quite a big you know like mind you they never say her age, never say her age she it sounds like she is meant to be 17 but you could have easily made him 17 and her 17 that would have been fine yeah, or, you know, it's or just... 23 and then that could be a funny element. Yeah. Because I think when she finds out that he's 15, she goes, you're only 15. Yeah. That would have been great if she'd gone, you're only 17, I'm 23 or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just seemed a bit pointless. And it is one of those storylines that kind of just happens in films. You're like, okay, that went nowhere. But it doesn't negatively affect the film. It's just that was definitely something that should have probably been trimmed out of the script. It's yeah. Just not needed. And with with, with what happens to him... His storyline is probably the most realistic, mm. but a bit dull. Yeah, I think because it's realistic. I I don't know. I found the best bits for me with him in was when it was him, the mum Callie, and Phoebe. Yeah, he weren't and really part of the family. Uh, they're, they're, oh, I just slapped the slap mic. the mic. <laughs> mic slap. Um, <laughs> their dynamic. Um, so like where he's trying to teach Phoebe jokes, or he's arguing with Phoebe, mm. or he's arguing with the mum, or they're all kind of like having a laugh yeah like those bits felt i thought like he's really good at playing those sort of characters yeah and there's again there's nothing wrong with that he fit the he fits the film fine it it wouldn't really the dynamic wouldn't work without him there no but his story just hasn't got that much to it yeah but it's again it's because and i think they made the right choice here they focused on uh phoebe's character and a bit on the mum's character as well you know um We've kind of mentioned her already, but yeah, Celeste O'Connor plays uh, Lucky, which is his Finn Wolfhard's love, love interest. She was very much a character that feels a bit tacked on. I agree. Because she's she's a side character to kind of a side character <laughs> in a story that is kind of the side story that no one's really that interested yeah, in. Yeah. Again, it's not like it's not like she negatively impacted the film. Not in any way. And her performance was really good again. 
it's just she was kind of an unnecessary character. You could have had the exact same film without her, but there is no negative. There's not really any negative to having her, but there's not really that much positive because she just doesn't really add anything. And it is because simply because I don't think her part was very deeply written. No, I think what he with what they could have gotten away with a bit more. I mean, it's great that they have essentially you can kind of guess what's happening with them but there's four of them if you include her you know that's great and you've got different age groups and everything else and that that's great to see but that is clearly why she's there you know it's it's not necessarily to have a a, a in-depth additional character it's more just to polish finish off the roster sort of thing well if you th- i think as well if you compare it to something like stranger things where you've <clears> got that kind of hierarchy of it changes, but at the start, it's Jonathan and I can't remember yeah, the names. The, I can't remember the name, but I know who you mean, yeah. Katie. It's the older two, and their their relationship works because they've got that amount of time, yeah. a whole season. To make it in depth. And obviously, like, they swap out, and then <laughs> the kids grow up and start their own relationships. So it's all fit so nicely and and something like goonies i would i would argue that although i really like this film in terms of josh brolin's character and i can't remember the girl's character Mm. because they're all together all the time Mm. like the young kids and the old kids it feels more it feels more natural it doesn't feel as tacked on whereas for most of this film it's very much her and finn wolfhard's character kind of split off yeah and then uh podcast and phoebe split off and there's um, less there there is less scenes of Finn Wolfhard yeah. and, and and it's yeah. and it's their storylines almost it is less interesting but it's just kind of to connect a few yeah. things but yeah. again doesn't negatively impact the film you're not going to sit there and go god get him out of the film you just when you think about it you're going to go actually they were kind of pointless yeah um cool uh brings us on to our last big actor the other ones we can't really mention without spoiling not on anything this stage, no. uh oh, which shoot. is uh Mr Paul Ruddy good looking Rudd. Ruddelicious. Ruddelicious. <laughs> Ruddelicious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's Paul Rudd. Everyone likes Paul Rudd. Um, he's he's got... He's kind of like Ryan Reynolds in that he's got that kind of comedic style that he has in all of his films. But I also quite liked his character story in this. Um, he's kind of like a... He, he, he's a scientist in a town of people that don't give a shit about science. <laughs> yeah. He's a summer school teacher. And he keeps showing all the kids these like eighties movies, like um, it's Cujo, Stephen King's Cujo, uh, what is it? Chucky and as Chucky, well. Yeah, um, and he's basically there to investigate uh, the earthquakes that keep happening in this town, despite the fact it has no fault lines or anything else that would actually cause earthquakes. He becomes connected with Phoebe and starts talking with her because she's really intelligent, and they bond over that. Um, and then, as as podcast puts it, he's there to to uh, bone phoebe's mom oh yeah i forgot about that bit, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah he, he he's really good in it he, he he adds he adds like the ad the adult connection to it without him i don't think the mother would really come into it so you kind of need his position as a character to connect everything and have someone who knows the town who can start building up the mystery sort of thing i um, also find it funny how the it sets it up that finn wolfhard and it's, it's Trevor, isn't he? Yeah, Trevor and Lucky are going to be the focus of the love interest, but it actually kind of switches. Yeah. To, um, what's Paul Rudd's character's name? Uh, Gruberson. Gruberson. Oh yeah, he's Gruberson. Uh, Gruberson and Callie. Yeah. And I found that actually more 
I think it's funnier because they're fully grown adults, but they're acting like awkward teenagers. Yeah. So the scenes between them are quite funny. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously Phoebe and Trevor and Paul podcast pick up on it. Yeah. So. It's pretty hilarious. And there's a few bit he he's just got very good comedic timing and he's got almost like a Jim Carrey level rubbery face and that everything he reacts to is really funny. And um, it's also the thing of uh the biggest criticism of him is his biggest compliment. So it's like you were saying about Ryan Reynolds. He, you know what you're getting with Paul Rudd. Yeah. But he's so damn good at it. You don't Yeah, care. exactly. <laughs> you know, like some actors, you, you, you go, so, some actors you go to watch because of the actor. And I think it was, I think it was Stallone, I think, that was saying, oh, no, no, it wasn't Stallone. It was, it was someone else. Uh, it was, who the fuck said it? Oh, it was, it was a Marvel character. Guy who plays Falcon. Oh, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he's he said that people don't go to the film cinema to watch actors anymore; they go to watch characters. Which, in terms of the Marvel universe, yes, but that's not true in terms of all actors. People go watch a film with Ryan Reynolds in it because Ryan Reynolds is, Ryan Reynolds is in it normally. Or Jason Statham. Or Jason fucking Statham, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and St- Stallone because I, I remember. That's why Stone came into my head. You go to watch it because they're in it more than the yeah. character they're playing. So, you know, it, it's, the two kids. It, it's true in some ways, not true in others. It mm. applies to different films, but yeah. Yeah, but Paul, Paul Rudd's just one of those actors that you just want to see him in, in things. Yeah, definitely. He, he fits. Um, for me, I feel like he's a good... He would work if this came out if he was alive in the 80s, he'd make a great Ghostbuster on the team because yeah. he has that style. He's got a bit of Bill Murray. He's got a bit of Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. You know, he's like an amalgamation of that sort of. And I, I, I'm i not sure. Maybe he did do Saturday Night Live, but he's got. I think he did a bit, yeah. He's got that same sort of style of humor. <clears throat> like he, he slots in perfectly to the Ghostbusters world, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was he was the first actor signed on for the film. He was oh, signed right. on like straight away, and he announced the film by going to where the Ghostbusters building in New York is meant to be, oh, taking yeah, like yeah. a video there announcing the film. So oh, that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Um, but that's all of our actors that are worth mentioning. Slash, we can't spoil. Um, for the rest, then I think cinematography is really good in this. Um, you see, it, it in was the, wasn't it? Uh, you see it in the trailers, but the bit with the Ector One driving through the cornfield, uh, through like the fields and everything, is awesome. I think. Yeah. Um, the opening sequence. Yes. I, yeah. I was kind of. I couldn't tell that it was going to be really good, but I had I had a good feeling. Mm. You know, when a film opens up, and I I was like, I hope the rest of the film is this good because it's just really atmospheric mm. and i love the original ghostbusters film but the cinematography is not anything no, special ba- basic 80s but this is just so nicely put together the start of the film is like a horror film yeah um but obviously it's not scary because it's ghostbusters yeah. and you know that going in but it's atmospheric it's L- very well lit and yeah you know like we like you said earlier you don't see the guy's face at the beginning mm. but anyone who sees that scene knows who it is yeah but the way they hide their face is really well done it doesn't seem like it's cheesy it just seems you know it seems like a good creative decision you know you remember when we talked about gremlins and we said how it's not a scary film but there are sequences where it feels like it could be scary yeah if you if you filmed it in a different way it could have been 
if you, if you wrote it in a different way, in front of different way, it could be considered a horror. But yeah. Instead, they went for the comedy route. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's it, it's they've either studied it so well that then sending it up. Yeah. Or they just really want a homage horror, and either way, it, it does it really, really well. Mm. And yeah. I didn't lose uh, when the action sequence were happening. It was fluid. I didn't yeah. lose track of the action. Um, I was watching an interview with Jason Reitman the other day, and he said the car chase in it is his first ever car chase. Oh, nice! Um, it's very good. Did a very good job of it. Yeah, very he, good. he used he strongly used close ups and then good distance, like wide angles, in order to make it that it was followable rather than lots of cuts. Yeah. Like there's a bit where the actor one like drifts around a corner, yeah, yeah, and it's quite a wide shot, but gets a close up of the ghost they're chasing. That's a really smooth shot because it allows you to see exactly what's happening yeah. while allowing you to also focus on the things that are there. But it it also has an old school feel, like you know how yeah. Spielberg. When I think of Spielberg, I've said this before, but he does iconic filmmaking, so he'll show like uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex's eye, yeah, or like um, a, an amazing tracking shot underwater yeah so every everything you could take a lot of those frames and they just look iconic yeah and 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 that adds to the also the classic cinema aspect because it's it's filmed like it's from another decade like you can tell it's not by the quality of it yeah that it's modern but it just has this aesthetic that it's and i think that's you know there's no shaky cam there's yeah. no it's all very very cleanly shot yeah it's like an old-fashioned way of filmmaking mm. and i think it works um while we're on cinematography though kind of connects to it but they actually used animatronics in this movie that oh was fucking God. impressive i cannot believe that animatronics are that good now and no fucking film uses them yeah this is yeah, the right. first one i can think of i think I think Jurassic World had an animatronic shot once. Right. But they went over it in CGI for some reason. And then the second one, I think, has a bit more animatronics, but I haven't seen the second. And it was only a team of, like, three or four people or something crazy like that. Really? Jesus. I think in the credits for, for those guys, the animatronics guys, it was... Oh, like, yeah. It was literally about... I think it was about eight people. Right. We're, okay, eight, but that's still that's tiny. That's insane. Because they showed the CGI team, and yeah. that was fucking huge. But if you if you've seen the trailer... Uh, it, the trailer there's a bit where paul rudd's running out of a like a costco or something like that and the thing chasing him you if you've seen the original one you know what that is they did it fully in animatronics yeah it i thought looks it was gonna incredible. be incredible like obviously the bit where he running after him isn't animatronics has been possible but every other shot is mm. and like there's a bit again in the trailers where he's like eating out of like a bag of dog food it looked like an animatronic when it was eating it. And me and you both assumed when he pulls his head out that it was going to be CGI. CGI yeah. It wasn't. It was still an animatronic. And it was fucking awesome. So fair play to them because it gives the aesthetic of the original. Yes. And because they've upgraded it, they're obviously not stop motion anymore. They look amazing. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, it's such a nice mix of, of like um, what you can do nowadays, but honoring the style of the yeah. old ones yeah they did bang up job with that um so fair play to that team because i would love to see more an- I-, I love animatronics and it's just not used enough anymore you know but the um, cgi cgi was yeah. okay actually yeah i think they they went for a slightly more i've seen the cgi from the 2016 one and it's more of a cartoony look whereas this went for a slightly more rustic look yeah um there's not there isn't isn't that many ghosts in it there's there's kind of it kind of teeters towards the end more having more ghosts but um 
ultimately, yeah, they looked really good. Um, the ghost you see in the trailer is not Slimer. It's a new character called Muncher, Muncher yeah. uh, who is really good. Um, yeah, it's very good CGI, very well shot. Music was... Music, I can remember the music, so it was I like good. I music, yeah. It's very, but it is all remixes or slight re-recordings of the originals, which is fine, because, again, it's kind of going for that homo- uh, hom- homage, <laughs> homage and a little bit of nostalgia of the original, but it doesn't go overboard with it. Like The Ghostbusters song is in it, but not until the credits. Yeah, they had their own score, didn't they? Yeah, and they had different. like an original score, and yeah. It, it was good and there was no run dmc in here either <laughs> no no again the score kind of f- f- thematically fit i felt um it was a bit more this film feels a bit darker yeah. i'd say um like the bits where they're kind of searching through they go into a crypt at one point and they yeah. go into like an underground lab and if obviously if it was a higher rating something would jump out would be scary and nothing does but it I, I felt like it had a good level of menace. Yeah, definitely. Um, which you want with something where there's ghosts. Exactly. <laughs> um, right. Well, oh, CGI. We've got to talk about, or is that a spoiler? To, it's in the trailer. CGI, which bit? The bit with Paul Rudd with when he's in the supermarket. The uh, famous oh, scene. With, with the with the stay puff marshmallow it's yeah in the trailer. It, that they re- released that whole clip that bit's fucking amazing it's incredible it's so i mean i'd already seen it and i was still in cinema and found it hilarious the bit where one of them is lies himself down on a biscuit and others put like chocolate on top of him and, and they the melt him with torch. a blowtorch was brilliant and then this bit where they get blended and like skewered and marshmallows yeah Uh, i was with that interview of jason reitman that i was watching they were like oh you know we've got to bring back the stay puff marshmallow man but we can't just make him giant again what should we do let's just make hundreds of them and make them tiny great (laughs) it again like gremlins they're cute but terrifying yeah and it's just got the chaos of something like gremlins It's, it's it's the way as well that like one gets like blended and it's like essentially you just watched a small marshmallow man get blended into bits and like them getting run over and everything else melted that's incredible i i think it's such a good kids film Mm. because it's got that kind of cartoonish violence in particularly in that scene that is is just it's it always appeals it's an all ages movie for sure it would appeal oh, yeah. to kids and it should appeal to all the people who like the originals as well. Yeah, oh, there's Unless definitely... they're a miserable bastard like apparently all the other reviewers are. <laughs> well, there's definitely some um, risque humour, <clears throat> but you'd have to know what they were talking yeah. about to understand it, which is why it works as a family film. Exactly. Um, right, we better get on to spoilers because we're 45 minutes in and we've got quite a lot to get through. Yes. So we better pull in uh, our mysterious guestarino. And uh, get the uh, the old curtain ready. I'm gonna do it, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, mystery guest. Mystery glass. Mis- mystery glass. And uh, <laughs> on to if if you're leaving us now and you haven't seen the film, 
thank you very much. I'd say give it a go. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's one of my favorite films of the year. I would say. I think if yeah, I think if you like the originals and you like everything eighties, yeah, but you want a, something with a bit more character development and polish, yeah, that's got, what this does. Exactly. Let don't listen to the other reviewers. They're idiots. No, <laughs> see yourself. Form your own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Yeah. Goodbye. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Well, the spoilers now. So if you're still here, mm, what a start? surprise! Phoebe is is Egon Spengler's granddaughter. I thought you were going to say something like that? completely different. Like, I mean, she pulls off her, her <clears throat> face and she's Harold Ramis. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, they they do release it in the pre-release material. Uh, announce it in the pre-release material. It is obvious. So yeah, you know, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Obviously, the person in the opening scene we we're talking about is Egon. You don't see his face because obviously, fortunately, Harold Ramis passed away. But it's very, very well shot. They Brilliant. picked a good body double for him, so it mm-hmm. does genuinely look like him. We'll go into the ending in a minute, but yeah. um, yeah, like there's some really cool bits in this that I didn't really want to spoil. Like you see the oh, what are they called? What are the backpacks called? Proton packs. Proton packs. Thank you. Um, you see one like firing up. And they're fucking dangerous. They should yeah. not be wearing these things. Yeah, yeah. Got like a nuclear like powered bomb on their back, basically. Yeah, the sound design's great. Oh in that yeah. Scene, yeah. And the uh the uh like the beams The beams really feel fucking awesome. They obviously they feel they, highly dangerous now. That's the thing. In in the originals, you know they're dangerous and, and you know obviously up until the end they're like we can't cross the stream, so they're obviously dangerous bits of tech. But because of the crisp <clears> sound quality and the way it's shot, yeah, and the special effects being upgraded it does kind of feel like because that scene where they're driving around yeah she, and like she, melting the city she doesn't know what she's doing so she's kind of shooting up buildings yeah and it's like fuck it's probably like put a, that thing away it's like an electric flamethrower basically <laughs> um but yeah so basically one of the main spoilers is the main villain is Saul again yes. he's coming back um and which is where people probably had a gripes with it. Yeah, even though I, I think that's a perfectly good story to do. Um but yeah, he's got a temple in a mountain in this town. Yeah. Um Egon goes there because he knows that he comes up on certain years mm. and there's like a prophecy thing that he finds out about. He steal Egon steals loads of the equipment, takes some of the proton packs and a bunch of other stuff and takes it to the Somerville town and sets up a trap that whenever they try to escape it instantly uses the um proton packs to shoot them back down this pit so they can't escape so yeah he abandoned he he abandons his family and everyone else in order to you know in order to basically save the world this is Um, why i think it gets away with rehashing it because i I think if it had just been zorwood turned up and they did the same thing again like with force awakens then yes but it's a continuation. There's a bit where there, there's actually a prophecy that it will keep yeah. happening. And him getting obsessed and crazy about it yeah. is links in with it means that they can do the daughter mm. and the granddaughter and him kind and it's, of... It's interesting that they kind of turn him... They make him out to be an asshole in it, which is quite a brave thing to do yes. for an actor that obviously died and everyone kind of had massive respect for but then, of course, later on in the film, they completely switch it back around and make it out that he was the hero the whole time, which is yeah. really sweet. Um, but yeah, his, his so yeah, like that that story arc is really good, and he's like he's a spirit flying around the film, so he helps Phoebe by, by like showing her 
um, the different equipment. He plays chess with her at one point, um, at, like as a spirit, and then shows her down into the basement where the all the equipment is. Yeah, that was really cool because yeah. it it instead of just having him appear, yeah, having things move and like his was, his it, spirit guiding stuff exactly was, I really, nice. It was a really nice idea. Um, and it's easy to do it. it you can do it without it looking tacky yeah because if things moving by themselves that's it doesn't look yeah fake. and with uh so as you know in order for Zul to be resurrected he has to have the gatekeeper and the the key master <laughs> yeah which are two human subjects that get turned into the dog things which is paul rudd and the mum and the bit where they both get infected uh but get possessed sorry and then they meet up it was it's only like a five ten second scene but they've both got the really deep dark voices in the burning red eyes and paul rudd's been like fixing like stopping the traps and everything so zool can come out and uh they she comes to him yeah magically has the dress that zagorny weaver had in the original uh and he says something i really like your eyes and she said something that neither me nor you could no. understand. And then they just, like, he does this, like, massive dip into a kiss that you don't yeah actually see the kiss, but it's just the face. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. The, um, they are just playing Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis' characters. But yeah. But they're they, bringing their own twist to it. They both do it so well. Yeah. yeah. Um, then, what else? Yeah, so once they become the key master and the... Uh, gatekeeper. gatekeeper Zul gets resurrected but they're able to trap one of the dogs in a trap so they get the mother free they yes. start escaping and they go back to the to the farm in order to trap them when Zul arrives they start getting a bit of a butt whooping because they can't quite hold Zul back and they can't get him trapped oh yeah yeah but then of course you were, I was waiting for it they had to be in it at some point because they were in too much of the press material and the interviews and stuff but of course, the original Ghostbusters show up um, earlier on in the film. Dan Aykroyd's character, can't remember his name. Um, uh, Raymond Stance. Raymond Stance uh, shows Ray Stance. Yeah, uh, she calls him at one point because she gets the number off of the YouTube video of the Ghostbusters advert. Um, and then, yeah, they show up at kind of the last minute. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and. Uh, Ernie Hudson all show up. Well, this is the thing. I think p people probably again say that's a kind of cheesy thing to do because they're hardly in it. But I think it was really well done because it meant that they just weren't the focus. They were a bonus. Exactly. You know? And they didn't turn up out of the blue because most films would have them just show up. And it's mm. like, well, where the fuck have you been? But yeah. because he already phoned her. Yeah. And the last thing he said before they got cut off was I'm Spengler's granddaughter. Yeah. He would have put two and two together, and that <clears> was quite panic, yeah. early, quite a lot earlier in the film. So if your mic a bit sense. closer, you're getting slowly quieter and quieter as <laughs> you keep moving away. Uh... There we go. Um, yeah, and then really, really nicely, um, how Ramus's character, who I've forgotten, what is how Ramus's character Spengler, Spengler, of course, is uh, Spengler sort of forms as a ghost, and some of the best CGI of of an actor that's passed away happens basically so they have him he's aged he looks like how you could see bits of his face it, when in the beginning he's got a big white beard and everything um and he appears to help phoebe hold back um zool 
while the others get their get back up because they've been knocked because the original Ghostbusters have been knocked down and everything. So they get knocked down, but they get up again. Exactly, uh, and then they basically all stop them together. But uh, Spengler uh, is there as like a ghost form. But yeah, the CGI on him is brilliant because mm. they get away with it a bit because obviously he's a ghost, so they can get away with the shininess. But overall, even if you took that away, I think it would still look good. And it's really, really like it's a really, really nice way of doing that for an actor who's passed away because it wouldn't have felt right not having any reference to him whatsoever in the film. Yeah. So of course they made it his granddaughter, but actually having him as a character in the film, like, cause he's obviously he's in, he's possessing the different equipment and showing her where to go and everything. And then having him at the end there as well, I think it was really, really nice writing. And I think anyone who doesn't like that ending has got something seriously wrong with them. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I definitely have two minds. Part of me is like, it went on a little bit too long it, you know it was a bit schmaltzy but the other the kid inside of me is just like nah it's mm. it's a nice it's really sweet ending. it's it's a it's a love it's a love letter to his dad the director and to harold Raymond yeah. as well so it's well even after that scene it sort of pans up and then it says for harold yeah exactly yeah. like it's i think and in any other circumstance it would have been schmaltzy but it's it, there's a reason yeah you know, it's there's there's connection there's multiple connections exactly and then after that, Ernie Hudson's character, Winston, it turns out he's super rich now. Yeah, that was uh, funny. He takes the Ecto-1 back to New York, and it looks like he's going to set up the Ghostbusters again. So and I kind of hope sequel. they do a series rather than a sequel, because I think Ghostbusters could lend itself quite nicely to a series. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what I think about a series because yeah I'm I'm not sure if they should really do a sequel but if they can do it right and they get Jason Reitman again I think they could do a good job but if it keeps getting the reviews it's getting and it gets maybe and doesn't do well or something it probably wouldn't get one unfortunately well part of me thinks that'd be a nice place to leave it mm. and then the other part of me thinks well the critique you could have that it does rehash the first one. If they did another one, now that they've set up the new people... It wouldn't be a rehash. Well, you could, even it's not you a could rehash. do something different. <clears throat> so basically like what the new Star Wars should have been. Yeah. We take The Force Awakens, yes, that's going to be up until a point, and then we're going to have to mention the old ones. Yeah. Next one on... I mean, they technically did do that with Last Jedi, but obviously then yeah, there was another one we don't talk about. But, <laughs> you know, yeah theoretically they could make another yeah. interesting film <laughs> but yeah i'm not sure it be i i think it would take a lot of clever writing but at the same time i think they got a good writer on board so we'll see yeah um and then of course you have a nice little easter egg at the end where it's bill murray and scorny weaver shows up oh, that was one lovely last scene. little extra end credits they do a they do a metal gear 4 of it doing the credits at the end and showing all the actors names and then it comes up with scorny weaver and it's like scorny weaver wasn't in it and then, of course, split a second later is the scene with Scorny Weaver. Um, sadly, Rick Moranis is not in it. Yes, which I was upset at first, and then I thought, actually... Where would you put him? Well, not that. It's just there was a lot of cameos, and it's nice that they're not just doing pointless cameos, because I think he said himself, I could be wrong, but I think he said he didn't see the point of him being in it for no yeah. reason. Uh, whereas, obviously, you could argue that with maybe some of the others, but Annie Potts is... She, yeah, she's only in it for a minute. She's only in it briefly, but... and there is a nice um, after credits bit as well. So the after credits bit is 
Ernie Hudson bringing the car back and everything and sort of thinking about setting up the Ghostbusters. But there's a deleted scene from the original where she, there's like a, a bit where she has like a coin thing. Oh, there's two post-credit sequences in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was very, it's, it's very good. Um, and yeah, it, it felt like they, they put in just the right amount of nostalgia and just the right amount of homaging it while also making something new. So Yeah, that's, that's what movie. I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, suppose that's it. Yeah, and uh, you know what you got to do when there's something strange in the neighbourhood? You're going to call Casper the Ghost because it's Raymond Stance's oh, yeah. fourth appearance. And uh, he's in Casper, yeah, as his character he's, he's from actually Ghostbusters. Many Ghostbusters so he's technically so Casper is canon to the Ghostbusters. Wait, no, he's been in five because he's in the 2016 Ghostbusters as well. Oh right. But he's not meant to be Ray Stance. Though, oh, right? actually, four. Yeah, because he's, yeah. he's a cabbie in that. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, still out in your pipe and smoke yet. What's our sign-off going to be this week? See you, chump! <laughs> I like that, dude. One more time, one more time. See you, chump.